from Mexico to LA. Covering the beautiful game from all angles. Welcome to Golteca. And now your hosts, Vince LaRosa. Sharpened his tactical eye over two plus seasons as LAFC's lead writer. He's a native of Southern California that believes football should only be played on natural grass. Mariano Trujillo, forged in the fires of UNAM, a champion with Santos, battle-tested at Morelia, had a Chivacola with Chivas USA, and a member of El Tri. He is now the lead soccer analyst for Fox Deportes, specializing in Liga MX and Major League Soccer. Rodolfo Landeros, lead soccer analyst and announcer for Fox Deportes and the Liga MX Insider. The renowned influencer has covered World Cups and Ligas for several networks as well. Lord Landeros is also a featured analyst for Fox Soccer. Welcome to Golteca. All right, welcome in, everybody. We are off and flying. We had a debut episode last week, and now I'm rounding out the team with a lot of good teammates here. I still got the legend with me, Kobe Jones, but we got two other legends, Mariano Trujillo, Rodolfo Landeros. They're here, obviously, because tomorrow Liga Amekis kicks off, and we're going to get into it. Kobe Jones, Kobe, I think you know where I'm going here. Oh, I know where you're going. Come you on. You know where I'm going. But let me, <laughs> everyone knows. Let me, let me, let me get just, we'll, we'll ease into it with this. Big news in Los Angeles soccer. NWSL is coming to Los Angeles with some big time owners, some big time personalities off the top. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. I think this is absolutely fabulous. You know, you have someone like Natalie Portman, you got Serena coming on board. You know, those are huge names that are going to bring a lot of attention to the sport and that's the end to women's soccer in general. So that's important to have. I think you need that to get the eyeballs. And then the big question is going to be, as always, once you have those eyeballs, can you latch on to those people and make them fans? And I mean the ones that are just coming in to check out something new, coming to check out like, hey, the circus is in town. Well, hey, can you actually have it where people become fans and come and see this and it becomes more than just a one-off event, that it becomes that they want to come in day in and day out every single time? All right, I let you be positive. I teed you up for it because I wanted to do that. I didn't, I didn't want to bring you down straight off the top. Man, six to two, it's the biggest defeat in the rivalry's history. Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts. Kobe, where, where do we go with this? Where do we start with this if, we're, if you're a Galaxy fan? Well, how do you take this defeat? Well, I, I think you should, and you should take it as a, as a huge disappointment. You know, you cannot you cannot be a fan of any club and organization and take a defeat like that against a rival and be happy about it or content about it. You should be angry. You should be uh, upset. You know that that's important because that's what rivalries are about. So for the fans, I think you've got to you got to look at okay, what can we do? Uh, what changes can be made? And and that's what it really comes down to. It has to do with the the coaching and the staff and everything that's going on. Because, I mean, we've had. Uh, when you look at this rivalry since its, since its uh, birth over the last few years, it's been exciting and it's been close, you know, all the time. It's always been like, oh, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And I'll give it, I'll give it credit. It was, it was like that for the first 45 minutes. Which way is it going to go? But you saw the team kind of the galaxy fall apart in that second half. And it was one of those things. You kind of felt it coming off. You know, that, that's the thing. We've seen LAFC during this whole tournament. They're a second half team. 
They're a team that turns it up a notch in the second half. I, I think coaching-wise, they get things set and right how they like to in the second half. And I think Bob Bradley did a fantastic job, especially of, of switching things up, pushing those outside backs forward, overloading the midfield, and then the Galaxy could not keep up. And, and we talked about it before, Vince, that the midfield is going to be the big issue, and especially with Jonah Dos Santos gone, that the Galaxy were going to have trouble there, and they did struggle. And I, and I'll, I will give you, even with Dos Santos and Chicharito, if they were there, I'm not. I'm still not sure that the Galaxy would have been able to keep up with LAFC in that match. Obviously, minutes before the match, the big story is Chicharito missing. And then after the match, we find out he's now back home in Los Angeles. Uh, that gives me a perfect opportunity to bring in Mariano Rodolfo. If you are a Galaxy team member and you hear that, you know, your, your captain, your, your talisman, he's leaving. Uh, what, how, what are your feelings? I mean, I know he has a pregnant wife. There's, there's bigger things than football uh, afoot, but what are your feelings? Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Mariano. How would you feel in this case? Well, I, I don't know. You know, if, if I was part of Galaxy if, if right now, I would be a little bit, a little bit upset about uh, Chicharito's uh, story every day, you know, in, in and out. It's just Chicharito, Chicharito, is he going to play? He's not going to play. He's, he's, he's going to score. He's not going to score. And I think there are uh, more important things right now within the team that they need to be fixed. Chicharito is just a part of the club. He's not a slapping. He's not going to be scoring goals every weekend. It's a different player. So in order for Chicharito to be successful with Galaxy, they need to fix the other parts of the team. And um, I was listening to uh, Insua today, and he was saying, you know, I wasn't used to play the way we're playing right now because in the second half, the game is very open. You know, in, in other leagues, it's the other way around. Maybe you start uh, it with a high intensity, and in the second half, the team sit back a little bit more and it's more compact. You don't need to run much. I love that about MLS. But a lot of players... Uh, that are coming in, uh, especially in Galaxy, they're struggling with that. And if you analyze and kind of review the whole team, you will see that they have talent, but they don't have chemistry. They don't have a idea. And if you compare that with LAFC, you can see the, the, the other side. LAFC, it doesn't matter if it's the first half or the second half, they already know what to do because they're already, um, it, it, and obviously, regardless of the players that are on the field performing, no Carlos Vela, they're still playing the same thing. Galaxy, to me, they don't know where to go. They don't have uh, a, a clear direction. And obviously, Chicharito, I think he's um, uh, stressed about it because we have been putting too much pressure on him, which is okay. I, I, I agree with that. But he's not a playmaker. He, he's not going to change the way the team plays. He needs to score goals, and for that, he needs the ball. He's not getting the ball. He's playing some other different roles uh, other than being the finisher. Hey, I, I, let me jump in there. I, I agree with you 100%. When we talk about Chicharito on that, he's a lot of people think, like you said, he's going to be the savior, but he's not a striker that drops into the midfield. And I'll say this one drop and pick up the ball, turn, dribble seven players, and then put the ball in the back of the net. That's not his stuff. He needs a team that has possession in the opponent's defensive third so that they're going from side to side to side, and then, boom, he can make the move. Kind of like the goal that he scored. But mm -hmm. It was good, and then Chicharito makes the one move, and it's in the back of the net. 
Well, I want to I want to take the chance to now bring in the the last teammate here, Rodolfo Landeros, and and Kobe. You make a good point. Probably the best moment of the match for the Galaxy was that moment when they could be brave, they could find a moment to turn, and they were able to win that penalty. Rodolfo, when you look at this Galaxy team, why why aren't we seeing them do that in more moments? We obviously know that they can get tight to teams, they can be physical, they can close down space, but then when they re- win the ball back, what what needs to happen? I, I think it comes from the bench, especially with, with Galaxy. I, I don't see a lot of chemistry, what Mariano was saying. Uh, I, I don't like this Galaxy. It's not like eye candy for me because in, in the last season, you had Slatan and he was a game changer, obviously. You just flick the ball, you just crossed it uh, high and he will resolve. He will capitalize on all those goal-scoring opportunities. But now having a different role with Chicharito... Uh, it's not the same. People like to think that Chicharito is going to be subbing what Slatan did, but having those different conditions, it's going to be tough. And what I'm thinking is you don't have Chicharito, you don't have Jonathan Santos. Even if you did, I think they still would be struggling. And the back line, they're terrible. And they need a, a playmaker. And I don't think Sasha Kleston is that guy. Uh, and you obviously lost one of, one of the players because of that uh controversial case a couple of weeks ago and you need a solution and I don't see this team performing like uh, one of the greats have to perform and bring that against the rival and we were speaking about this with our colleague in Argentina in Argentina Juan Jose Buscalia 6-2 against your your rivals this is a this is a result that that sacks the manager this is mm-hmm. a result that most <laughs> managers may say, you know what, I, I'm going to step aside. But I don't think that Guillermo Barros Esqueloto has obviously the same pressure as he did back home, but he still has a lot of work to do. And he had all this time, and I'm not seeing anything that corrects their performance and make them a top team, not even a contender. Uh, so I think it's very sad to see what's going on with Galaxy right now. All right, Kobe, I have you for a limited time and you're a legend. I don't want to pile on your team. This is just not fair. <laughs> but you're doing it anyway. But I'm doing it anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a solid out here from the Galaxy and we can move on to just one, one or two more things about MLS. The Galaxy obviously have some money to play with. Uh, you know, the situation with Alexander Gatai, unfortunate, but it does give them some openings. Um, they're a team that likes to take big swings. I mean, if you bring in a Christian Pavon, you, you're taking a big swing. So where would the Galaxy reinvest their money? And do you see them maybe going out and getting the big name? Are they going to get Chucky? Is that it? Is that, is that the rumor? What are you saying? They're changing the rules again? <laughs> uh, changing the rules again. Look, for me, I think the Galaxy, you know, have to make a decision. Um, and I've talked about this before. Is it, is it going to be, you're going to continue to make big swings, like you mentioned, and get like a, a big star, or are you going to try to de- develop? And, and by develop, I don't mean, okay, a 16-year-old, whatever, but can you get a 21-year-old, 22-year-old uh, player that's up and coming, Argentina, Uruguay, South America, Central America, that the, the issue is, it's like, hey, you can make really good money. We can pay, pay you a few million a year. And then all of a sudden, you know what? After the two or three years, you can make a jump to Europe and make up even a bigger paycheck. That's, I think, has to be the enticement. I'm not sure that, that 
that this league anymore is at the point where we should be going, okay, we're going to pick up someone that's like 33, 34 and get two years out of them. And then guess what? We're back in the same thing again in two years. So I'd like to see the Galaxy with whatever money they have, use that scouting network, and hopefully it is in-depth that they've got opportunities and choices to find young players that you can get two, three, possibly four years out of, and that will work hard and hustle. And now, and we saw it with a few players from Mexico that, that the Galaxy used to have, but they, they let those players go. It was loan, but didn't pick up the options. And, and that's something that I think the Galaxy internally needs to decide. I would I, go for Mario Goodsa. Oh no, no! But those are you know those are the things that he's twenty seven. He's twenty. Yeah, but but what you really need and and just just a quick thing right here, Kobe. Which position will you bring into the team? Because like I said, going forward, I think you have big names, you have experience, you have a quality. But on the defensive side, I think they've been struggling not just this tournament, but in the couple of of, uh, the other tournaments. Which positions will you bring to this galaxy? Uh, for me, I think you need a, a central midfielder. You actually need a number 10. Uh, you know, if, if Leggett's not going to be your 10, you need a number 10, and then you need a defensive midfielder that can shore up. And I know there's a lot of issues where they talk about Insua, they talk about Felsher and Sterez and, and Gonzalez. I, I think centrally, yes, there needs to be, to be a change, and I think it needs to be a leader in that back position that can grab a hold of the different personalities and say, and they can actually direct all four of the back line. And if someone starts sneaking forward, no, get your butt back here, stay here defensive first, you know, to make sure that we're solid. That takes pride in that position that we are not going to give up any goals. That's is, I think is going to be important in the back, uh, in, in someone in the central area. Um, I think the galaxy could only possibly get two. You know, and that's probably pushing it, you know, at this point, if you want to get quality, you know, for the galaxy. So that's where I would look. I do have a question back, and I know this is a little bit longer, And but a friend of mine posed this to me. Do you see, like, because he's a, I won't say his name, but he's a diehard Galaxy fan, and he comes at me all the time. <laughs> and people, I get questions all the time about the Galaxy and the MLS from people. My friend said, I want those days of old, when we're talking about, like, the 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 1314, the King, Beckham, uh, Donovan, and then back before when they were talking about like myself, Cienfuegos and all this, where we would used to run off just games. His question, this year, however long this season is after this tournament, do you see the Galaxy winning three games in a row? Hmm. (laughs) Not without an identity, right? Yeah. Yeah, See, and there's, there's the response that, that is troubling to me. You know, because I would like to say yes. And, but the response, it's always now. It's always like, everyone's like, ah, well. But, you know, those years of the Beckham Donovan stuff, you say, oh, yeah, of course. And the years before that, when we went to, oh, yeah, of course. Right now, I think we're, we're in, a, in a bit of, of a troubled situation, you know, with that, where we're wondering, can the Galaxy pull off three wins in a row? Now, if, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'll say unfortunately on this one, just to get a rise out of you, if you say LAFC, <laughs> you're going to go, Without a doubt, right? Columbus, without a doubt. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, Sporting Kansas City, yeah, without a doubt. The Galaxy need to find that identity and get back to that ways where they are considered, oh, yes, winning three in a row, not a problem. Yeah, true. Big clubs clubs find a way to win games. 
It doesn't matter how you play. And that was Galaxy's identity when I was playing against them. We were playing better than them, but we lose the game 1-0. And I was so pissed, but they were doing that under Bruce Arena. They need to go back to that. Yep. And I'm going to step in here because we only have a limited time with you, Kobe. I will say, if you're a Galaxy fan, lean into Dennis Teclosa. You're going to have to trust in him because I think that's where you're going to really find some bargains and find some, some big-time talent. Uh, but to get you out of here, Kobe, I got to ask, now that you've kind of seen the tournament start to shape up, who's the favorite, man? Give me, give me, uh, give me a prediction before I get you out of here. Well, I know you want LAFC, and then you have to put them as, <laughs> as one of the top. You have to put them up as one of the top contenders, right? I, I do question, though, their defense, because I think teams that are organized defensively give LAFC a problem. I, and, and Houston was that at the beginning, but then they let them back in the game. A perfect example is the final when, when, when Seattle you know, not the most uh, exciting all the time, but they were organized defensively and countered boom. And that's how they ended up winning the championship. So for me, LAFC still one of the contenders, but I like uh, sporting Kansas city. I think they've done a, a pretty good job of things. And I, I really like Peter Vermes as a coach at sporting mm -hmm. Kansas city. I think he's, he does a good job there. And the other one that still goes under the radar you know, and I talked about it with you before, Vince, is Columbus. I think Columbus is a, just a solid team. It's not the glamorous city, but it is a solid team throughout. They put goals in, they're playing well, and they, they have a good striker up top, a fantastic midfielder with Zella Ryan going in there, and their defense is solid. So I think they're going to be a team that, you know, maybe people won't be talking about, but slowly but surely, you're going to see, oh, wait, they won again? Oh, wait, they're in the semis? Oh, they're in the final? And next thing you know, they could win this, win this whole tournament. Kobe Jones, always a pleasure, always a legend, always good to go a little back and forth with you. I, I, I would like to expand on more MLS <laughs> topics so we don't always have to <laughs> pretend like we're playing nice. Uh, but thank you so much. I'm going to dive deep into Liga Mekis with these uh, two guys, but always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I just got before I go, I, before I go, go for I it. I want to hear these two guys, your top choices, your top choices for Liga and Mackey's right now. Hmm. Rolo, go ahead. For me, I like Monterrey, but my team, I think it's going to be Cruz Azul. Yeah. Rayados for me. Rayados for me. Rayados. And uh, keep an eye on Cholos. Keep an eye on Cholos. Yeah. Cholos is going to be a very uncomfortable rival. They got, they got, they're loaded. I like it, guys. You're going with Rayados even after their performance. You have to say they got a little bit lucky that everything oh, yeah, went did. sideways because yes. they were struggling, Definitely. you know? Definitely. <laughs> the time yes. to turn it around. But All right. is going to be one of the contenders. Yeah. <laughs> we'll All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me and have a good rest of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Kobe Jones. I'm the host, but he's the legend, and that's why I let him do whatever he wants. And so he, and so he does. Keep talking. So he does. <laughs> Kobe Jones, he's a legend. He stole a little bit of my thunder by asking the guys who their picks were for Liga and Mackeys. But, you know, it's not always just about the winner. There's a lot of football that's going to happen. So we're back with Mariano Trujillo, Rodolfo Landeros, and a new teammate, Cesar Hernandez of ESPN FC, The Athletic, the Mexican Soccer Show. I mean, I, I should have just listed where you're not at, uh, Cesar. But welcome <laughs> in and welcome to the, the, the squad. <laughs> Hey everybody, uh, always uh, thrilled to discuss soccer and uh, happy to chat about it with all of you. Excellent. Well, let's start right off the top. The, the, the Copa for Mexico, 
Cruz Azul gets some silverware. Should they be happy about it? I, I'm not quite sure after they were flying and their season got stopped and they were going to play LAFC in the CONCACAF Champions League. We still don't know what's going to go on with that. It might be a wash at this point. Uh, but I'm going to start with you, Mariano. Cruz Azul, are they, are they ecstatic? I saw them walk up to the trophy and kind of just give it a, a flyby wave. So what what's their feeling after this, uh, you know, preseason tournament? That was a trophy? I mean, honestly, if you if you look at the size of the trophy, that, that tells you everything. Yeah, I mean, it was a friendly tournament. It was a preseason tournament. It's okay for them to uh, go and try to make a statement that they're ready for the tournament. But the tournament and the little tweaks that the tournament is going to have this uh, Guardianes 2020, it's not going to be easy for Cruz Azul. Yes, they were flying when everything stopped. But uh, I've seen that before. I want to see Cruz Azul in the real moment. And they've been talking that now we're changing that mentality and now uh, we're not doing the Cruz Azuleadas and all that. But, I, I, you know, I still have my doubts. Uh, I recognize that they are a solid team. Uh, they have a, a, a very good coach with Ciboldi. But I want to see these players, when they have the right opportunity, you know, to step up and say, okay, this is the new Cruz Azul. Right now, it's okay. You just have to do whatever you have to do to finish top four. And then we'll see. It's okay. They can celebrate, but I'm not buying it yet. Let's talk a little bit about the match. Uh, a penalty uh, in stoppage time. Uh, Cesar, R- Rodolfo, penalty for you. Tell me what, what you think. Did they get bailed out? I mean, it, I, I could go either way. So someone I, convinced me. That was definitely a soft penalty, wasn't it? <laughs> it most definitely looked like a soft penalty. But nonetheless, that's good momentum for Cruz Azul. I mean, first place last season before it got canceled. Winners of the let's call it the copita, the copita, since that's what we've all been saying, the the copita por Mexico, you know, but then again, I mean, if I'm looking forward, would there, anything, would there be anything more crucial than to be in first place in that season, win the preseason tournament, and then to actually slip up when it matters next season? That would be the most crucial of crucial things, wouldn't it? But yes. at, at the same time, though, I, I still think that this is a, the best team from last season, the best team from, from the preseason. They just got better. I mean, you saw Shaggy Martinez is now on the team. You got Ignacio Rivero. I got a chance to see Rivero over here in Tijuana. I think it's a very versatile player. So, I mean, and if, if we're going to be using maybe some non-soccer terms, I think Shaggy Martinez could be the best six man in Liga Mekis. Let's just say he's going to be the best six man. Keep an eye on him. Yeah, that. They're, they're playing very good. I mean, I, I think it was a soft penalty, but a penalty nonetheless. It, it sure was critical. But uh, speaking of the the of the trophy, it's kind of the perfect representation of all the hype that Cruz Azul has been getting <laughs> on social media and on uh, media in general, because, okay, yeah, we won. Finally, we won silverware, but take a look at the size of the trophy. Just <laughs> keep your feet on the ground. You, it, it was just a friendly tournament. And this brings me to, yes, okay, they needed the, the illusion of winning something because it helps you uh, mentally but still, I think Cruz Azul needs to get rid of those ghosts. One of them is Club America, and they beat Club America at the Azteca when the tournament got canceled, 1-0. And I think right now, because of that result against Miguel Herrera's side, they are right now in their head. I know it's a friendly, but there's still something that Cruz Azul fans and obviously the team say okay we can beat these guys we can beat them again and that's gonna be like a chip on their shoulder maybe for the next semester even though it's a friendly tournament but I think that's gonna be uh, the nature of that match or that result is gonna be favorable going forward to the Guardianes 2020. 
And even though it was, let's just say it was a preseason term, you can still tell that it meant something to these players. You saw them arguing after matches. You saw Piojo Herrera. I mean, he was still <laughs> very, very animated on the sidelines, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, it may not matter to us, but I mean, you, you see what, what it meant to some of these players. And I mean, it's, it's kind of a different conversation too, but for a lot of these young players, because remember, there's no Copa Mekis for a year. There's no youth minutes rule. For a lot of young you know, talent, young Mexican talent, this was their last opportunity before the start of the league and Mackey season. So I, I, I think that's also important to bring up as well. So if we're saying that this tournament meant something to these teams, then what do we say about the, the other team in the final Chivas, who is, uh, you know, they, they kind of rebuilt their roster ahead of the, the season prior. Um, they were able to, to get into a final. They scored a nice goal, the nicest goal of the final, um, but they weren't able to hold on. So what would we make of them in their state of mind going into the tournament? I mean, I think they played really well in the end of, of the last tournament. And they, they were performing very well under uh, Luis Fernando Flacotena. Um, I think there's similar scenarios between Cruz Azul and, and Chivas. They need to win. They need to get some uh, positive results to solidify this new project with uh, veterans, some veterans, with new players, with young players. Uh, but more than the results, uh, what I like about Chivas is uh, the style of playing. You can see an identity with this team, and, and I really like that because now they know where they're going. You know, they already where their north is, and they're walking towards that direction regardless of the players they have on the field. Uh, more than the result, like I said, I think they play really well in this tournament. Um, the, the coaching staff uh, moved a little bit, some of the players in, in these or that position, thinking of what is coming uh, in Guardianes 2020. So, yeah, they didn't win, but I like what I saw. And it's the same thing with Cruz Azul. I like what I saw in terms of uh, performance. Um, I didn't see that with some other clubs, uh, but probably their approach was a little bit different to, to this tournament. Yeah, and I think I think the thing with Chivas too is that they had so many new players, talented new players coming in early 2020. And the issue wasn't that Chivas lacked talent, it was how do you utilize this talent? And I think they needed time to really figure that out. And it seems like Thena finally has his ideal eleven. And I think that 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 front trio, I guess, although one of them is on the left wing, but Angulo, Macias, Vega, that's going to be very, very exciting to watch in the, in the upcoming season. So I think it's going to be thrilling to see what they can do. Will they be one of the best Liga Mekis teams? I don't think so. I think there are some teams like, I mean, Monterrey, Tigres, Cruz Azul. I'm even going to throw, you know, their opponent they're going to take a, take on this upcoming weekend. I would still say Leon are better than Chivas, but I, I think yes. it's looking promising for them. I, I think it's looking very, very promising for them. And Angulo was one of the breakout guys from this preseason tournament. I, I like what I saw. I had some little flashes reminding me of the Cholos age from, from Angulo that it, 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 he wasn't like that considered by Luis Fernando Tena in the past semester. And I think obviously you had Uriel Antuna with a lot of pressure that Alvarito Morales, our colleague from ESPN, he was in on his mind. <laughs> and, and after that game of Chivas against Cholos in TJ, uh, I spoke to Uriel and I spoke to Alexis and he was a lot under a lot of pressure. And we saw that celebration with that assist that it made the thing go away. So now I think that's back. Uh, that's in the history. That's in the books. They got a fresh start. Obviously, hoping a, a, a full recovery on Luis Fernando Tena from from the COVID side. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to be a very competitive team. They play well. Luis Fernando is making them play well. But in a team with Chivas, you have to 
You have to think of championships. It's one step at a time. They made a huge investment with a lot of these players. But I think in the medium or long term, this is going to be a very, very interesting side. And Rodolfo, you bring up that thing that's, that's hovering all around us. We can't avoid it. It's Wednesday when we're recording this. The league starts on Thursday. And I'm seeing positive tests from yes. teams, from, from, from Chivas, from Monterrey. Are we going to start this tournament? Is this really going to happen? <laughs> well, just just right now, a couple of minutes ago, the league announced that the first match of the tournament, which is Atletico San Luis against uh, Juarez, was uh, is going to be postponed for next Monday because of the, there you the go. crazy amount of players that tested positive from Juarez, almost 10, I think. And then we, we got three from Chivas. And who knows, there's going to be a lot. So they have to control this. There's going to be a lot of flights in and out from the teams. This is not Europe that you can basically take the highway with the bus, with the team bus and, and just arrive with, uh, with even time for tea. But it, it's going to be difficult. I don't know how many matches might get postponed, but this was the right thing to do. I mean, 10 guys testing positive, that's a lot. And obviously you put the whole team at risk you put the other the, the opposition at risk and it starts off with the wrong foot yeah that's that's something you really have to ask yourself is you know is is the league ready you know because it's much more than just those 10 positive cases i mean in the last seven days i mean it's you know, luis fernando tena and three of his chivas players Tigres had one player test positive necaxa had one player test positive atlas had five positive cases between the first and u20s monterrey had a player test positive and then now juarez has at least 10 positive cases. I mean, all of this is within a week before the season is supposed to start. So it's, it's not good. And it's, and you really feel for these players and their staff and their, and their families, you know, so it's just, it, it's definitely very worrisome. I mean, you I feel excited that soccer is coming back, of course, but at the same time, like you, you, you definitely feel worried. You, you definitely feel worried when you look at these numbers. Yeah, there's always a risk that, that, I mean, we have to start with that. But my concern is the protocol. They're not uh, following the same exact protocol in Mexico, teams in Mexico. And it should be that way. The, the, the way uh, Germany did it, Bundesliga did it very well. And this is the steps, these are the steps you have to follow if you're going to go in, uh, to the training facilities and then for the weekend. So in Mexico, that's not happening. So Chivas is handling their situation in a different way than probably Juarez. And we're, we're, we now have those results, uh, positive results. So I think the, the federation have to put something together for the teams to follow that. And if they don't follow it, be very strict and, and rigid in, in terms of, okay, this player didn't follow the, the protocol, he cannot play. Even if he's even if he's negative, you know, just to have the the right precautions for the rest of the teams, for the families, whatever, um, it would be embarrassing, honestly, you know, to start the league and then after two weekends be like, okay, we cannot play anymore because we have five teams with ten or more uh, cases. It would be embarrassing. So if you're gonna do it, do it well. That's my only concern. I'm excited about about Liga MX returning, but. Um, you know, that's a huge question mark. And the Federation saying, no, no, the teams are going to handle it th their way. Whatever they decide, it's okay. I, I don't think that's, a, that's the right way to do it. And it was ridiculous the way the, the tournament got canceled or the, 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 the first moment that it stopped because we, we were at that game in Tijuana and the league was going like they were pivoting. What should we do? And we saw that they announced the protocol that no handshaking, uh, safe distance. And then they came out 
into the pitch and everybody was shaking hands. And then I read, <laughs> I, I read the document and it was starting Saturday. So why leave it until Saturday? And then the Saturday games got played and then the Sunday games without people, they wanted to finish with that America Cruz Azul. So I think they did it very bad from the moment this thing, the way they handled things. And now things can get pretty, uh, pretty out of hand. Yeah, that's definitely worse. I mean, if we're, if we're looking specifically at that game too, I remember they're saying, oh, you know, they're going to give hand sanitizer for fans as they walk into the stadium. And local Tijuana reporters showed videos of fans clearly walking through without being given hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's just, it was it was such a haphazard way of dealing with it. Like, you know, like you said, Rodolfo. So it's just, you do worry that if things do get to get quite bad, you know, how is the league going to approach it? And is it going to be just as haphazard as, as they did with that final league of Mackey's weekend? What was it back in March? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think from where we sit, we, we hope for the best. We want the best, but you guys make great <laughs> points. You, you have to have protocols that you simply can't pretend that this isn't a factor and, and you have to stick to them and you have to sometimes penalize people when they don't. Uh, but I want to move us on a little bit. Let's, let's get into the actual season. Mariano, I know how you feel about the changes. Uh, you wrote a great pre- piece for Golteca. I, I, I would say everyone, please go there and check out uh, how, the, how the league is going to change and, and how Mariano thinks that teams are going to deal with it. But Cesar, Rodolfo, I got to ask you first, and then we'll go to you, Mariano. Who do, who do the changes favor? What, what teams do we see could maybe get a, a boost out of this? The, the teams that have the best depth. I think Tigres, Monterrey, uh maybe you can add up to the conversation Cruz Azul because of the five changes that you got five substitutions. And what I read from the international football association board, when they decided to put three substitutions, because they were asking, why not one, why not two, why not four? And it was specifically not to favor the teams that have that major depth. And now I think the, the the principle of bringing five subs was to get teams in rhythm that you needed players to get that that machine that oil going and and not risking the the injuries at the moment that they but that was a long time ago i mean that worked for bundesliga uh, when they restarted with the with the door uh with the ruhr derby but now a lot of time has passed and we've seen Teams like Monterrey do three a, three a days, and I think it's too much. Like t- teams like Juarez, like Mazatlan, uh, like my Toluca, obviously, they're, they're not going to be. They're they're on a way like, in, in a huge disadvantage in in terms of the great teams. I 100% agree. I mean, could you imagine you're holding Tigres? You know, it's zero zero. You're doing quite well, and then who do they bring off the bench? It's like, is that? Is that, is that Enter Valencia? Is that, is that who's stepping <laughs> out right now? Like, or like, I mean, like, all right. Or like, uh, Degas are have a one, nothing. Let's say Degas have a one, nothing lead. They're, they're, they're doing quite well. And then, oh, you know what? Why not throw, you know, Diego Reyes? Why not? He's on the bench. Go for it. I mean, that it definitely benefits those teams. And I think, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but you know, there's no longer youth minute rule either. So I think those teams like Degas that tend to be a little bit older, that tend to have uh, a manager like Duca Ferretti, who doesn't tend to give the younger options many minutes, they're definitely going to benefit from that this season. So yeah, so it's, it's the teams are a little bit older who don't have to rely on younger players because there's no youth minutes rule. And then of course, 
Monterrey Tigres with that depth, you know, they're going to, they're going to do quite well. I can imagine doing very, very well this season, regardless of the fact that Monterrey were in last place last season, but that was a pretty serious championship hangover that they had. So hopefully they've been, uh, they've been recouping since then. All right. I'm, I'm hearing only about the giants. Mariano, you, you wrote the piece about the expanded playoffs. Come on, tell me, give me, give me some hope. Who's, who's the dark horse. I need, I need something. I need something. I, I can't, I can't hear about the same teams every year. <laughs> you know, I really, I really like Cholos. I really like what, what Cholos is putting together. Um, we, we always talk about the internal competition as a player. Uh, when, when you feel comfortable being a starter, then probably you level your performances are not at the highest. When you have one or two teammates competing for the same spot, you know, the quality, the level goes up. And I think that's what uh, Cholos is creating right now with, ha- with them having one or two players uh, for every position on the field that can easily start, you know, the level is going to go up. Having a coach that um, has an offensive uh, mentality and um, that Tata Martino praised uh, him by the style of playing and by the, his mentality I think Cholos can easily be part of that front pack, uh, which is the main the main objective in the first phase of the tournament. Finish top four so you can avoid the, the wild card or the uh, repechaje in, in Liga MX. Yeah, I agree with the five substitutions, but that also opens a little tiny door probably for, for young players. Pumas, they don't have the money. They don't have sure. the funds to go and, and sign some other players. So what are they going to do? They're going to look at their Fuerzas Básicas, their academy. We spoke with Dante uh, Elizalde, Santos president, and he said the same thing. You know, They had two, one bad injury with Brian Lozano, Jonathan Orozco the, leaving the team. We're like, okay, our first response was, what do we have here with us? So if you, like I said, it's not about uh, giving... Uh, an opportunity to young players is earning that opportunity as a young player. So if you have quality and they're going to bring the five or six uh, international players, it's about quality. Quality doesn't recognize age. It's about what you can do with the ball when you have minutes. So that's a little tiny door that if they can sneak in, they can make a big splash. Pumas used to be like that. Atlas used to be like that. Now Santos is following those steps, even Pachuca. So yeah, there are positives and negatives. Uh, but honestly, I love it. You know, I love the changes. I love the repechaje. I love the five subs. Nah, just because of this. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about all the, all these changes. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back, and I know you guys are gonna bring me back to the Giants. So one word answer from all of you. I need to know. We'll start with you, Cesar. Who, who is champion when all is said and done? Oh, oh man. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll overlook. Monterrey and Tigres, because if, if I had to release a power rankings list, it'd be those two, but I'll just stick Cruz Azul. I know it's not an exciting, exciting option since they were first place last season, but I'll, I'll stick Cruz Azul. And I know that was about 40 words right there. No worries. You're, you're the guest. You can do what you want to. You and Toby from now on. Uh, Rodolfo, what, one word answer. Who's champion? Chuk, chuk. Cruz Azul. All right. And, and Mariano? I think Rayados. Rayados is, is going to take it again. Uh, they have experience. You know, uh, they erase what happened and now they have a couple of additions that will make them stronger if they need to be uh, stronger, depending on the, on the uh, game they're playing. So clean slate. All right. All right, gentlemen. Well, that wraps our our talk specifically on Liga Mekis. We're very excited for the kickoff and we hope and pray it does kick off. Uh, But now I I kind of prepped you guys a little bit for it by asking for one word answers. and I'm going to stick to it this time. We're going to a section we're calling these penalties. 
I called it uh, five shots, no chaser. I think we didn't like that so much. Maybe bad drinking reference. Or we haven't got a sponsor yet. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to ask these questions. We'll go down the line. I think we'll go Mariano to Rodolfo to Cesar for these five quick questions, quick answers. All right. So uh, right off the top, are, gentlemen, are you ready? Let's do it. Yes. Well, let's All go. Right. All right, let's, let's go. We'll start with you, Mariano. And, and like I said, we'll just go right down the line. No balone door since 1956. Right or wrong decision? Wrong. Wrong decision. Rodolfo? Wrong decision. Cesar? Wrong. Okay. Okay. Number two. And this might be tougher. Is Messi still the best player in the world? Uh, we'll, we'll start with Cesar this time. Obviously. Okay. Mariano? Is that even a question? I mean, he, he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, <laughs> okay. Rodolfo? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like, that's see, a I, no in case you guys so, in I mean, Gold okay, so Rodolfo, Rodolfo is a Cristiano a, Ronaldo lover, and, and Beans is wearing a Juventus jersey. So. I just admire yeah. the best player in the world. That's it. <laughs> this, this jersey is blank. Players can lobby oh, all right, all right, names all right. on this kit, but, but obviously, it's but, a magnet, it's a magnet to greatness. So, Rodolfo, is it Cristiano Ronaldo? It is okay. All right, so I'm gonna come right back to you for question three. Javier Aguirre is done at Leganes. Uh, was he set up to fail? <clears throat> Without two of his most important players, yes. I mean, I could expand, but yes. Mariano? Yeah, I agree. I agree. A lot of rocks are uh, in Javier's road trying to you know, pr uh, avoid relegation. So yes, I will say yes. Okay. And Cesar, are you going to defend I, Javier Aguirre? I, this is a this could be a podcast episode in itself discussing <laughs> what happened with <laughs> yeah. Leganes and Aguirre. But I'm going to say that he was doomed to fail. And I, I think what he did was, I know, pretty audible. And I was quite impressed by him. All right. Question four. And I love this question. It's one of the reasons why I do have a Juve kid on today. <laughs> Raul, Raul Jimenez. Should he go to Juventus? Mariano? No, 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 no. Stay in Premier League. Stay with Wolves or stay in Premier League? Uh, Premier League. I would like him to go to a different team, but stay uh, in Premier League. Okay. Cesar? I mean, he's worked so hard to get where he's at. You saw how things went, went with Atleti. You saw how things went with Benfica. I mean, why give up a good thing? You know, so I stick with Wolves. Stay with Wolves. And Rodolfo, thoughts, thoughts he could join your boy? Stick in the Premier League. Maybe United. A better team. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Did you say yeah, United is a better I, I, team than yeah, Juventus exactly. or better than Wolves? <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of history, not the, the actual season. Whoa, come on. All right. Again, another podcast episode. We can do it another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Question five. I'm going to go right to you, Cesar. Uh, it's uh, another one dear to my heart. Who leaves LAFC first, Diego Rossi or Edward Atuesta? Ooh. Um, let's let's say Atuesta. I mean, I, I've been very, very impressed, but I feel like he doesn't get enough credit and maybe some teams from abroad will recognize a little bit more. So what he's doing uh, in the midfield as a defensive midfielder uh, than what some fans are saying. So yeah, I think it's Atuesta, but very, very impressed by him. Rodolfo. Oh, it's a tough one. I, go, I, I would go with Rossi. I, I don't know. I, I know LAFC doesn't want to sell him, but you never know. It might be, uh, a matter of time. How much would you sell him for? More like, than 30. Number that's, you think 30 is the number it's got to get for him to go? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mariano? Well, I, you know, I will even put a twist out of the equation. I will put uh, 
um, Rodriguez and Rossi probably there because I think Atuesta is a key player for LAFC. You can move all the players around, but if you move Atuesta, they struggle. So if I am the GM or the front office from LAFC, I will keep Atuesta a little bit longer to, until the team is solid team and we can get some silverware. And you can get, not get rid, but you can sell Rossi or Dominguez. And actually, I mean, Rodriguez. And actually, Rodriguez had an offer from the uh, an Italian team, 30 millions. They put it on the table and LAFC said, no, we don't want to sell them right now. So I see Rossi or uh, Rayito going first in a twister. All right, well, I have to comment. I have to put my LFC hat on for a second. I will say yes. this. With Edward Atuesta, at least you have ready-made replacements in Jose C. Fuentes and Pancho Janela. So that yeah, into the yeah. equation, you got you to figure that in. Uh, mm-hmm. But gentlemen, we've made it through the penalties. You guys nailed every single one of them. Woo! Maybe, right. maybe <laughs> Rodolfo, you maybe put one off the woodwork. <laughs> just going to say it. Uh, which will be normal. Which will would, be normal for Rodolfo. Yes. He would look good in the red shirt. <laughs> Uh, but I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank uh, Kobe Jones, who's no longer on the show. Thank you for coming on The Legend. And, of course, thank you, Cesar Hernandez. Cesar, can you tell us where to find you uh, on social media if people want to get more from you? Of course, yeah. You can follow me at Football on Twitter. You'll see um, you know, all, all my news, all my updates, for whether it be about Mexican soccer, American soccer. But, yeah, you can follow me on at Football. Awesome. Excellent. And I want to thank Adrian Garcia Marquez, fearless leader, for putting this rundown together. Without it, I not I would not have made it through this trying to corral all these guys. <laughs> Mariano Trujillo, Rodolfo Landeros, my teammates. It's It's been a pleasure. I, I cannot wait to do this again. Likewise, Vince. Always a pleasure. And keep tuning in. Thank you for having me, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. And uh, you, follow Golteca, please, guys, on all the platforms because we're dropping some interesting content for you. Likewise, likewise. Thanks so much, everybody. That's it for us, guys. We'll be back very soon. Golteca is an Air Game Digital production. For more, go to golteca.com.